0: Welcome to Zichu D'Av Siman M'Ram and today we're Vav, D'Av the 15th Parake Isha. So the three we're going to focus on, number one, the Gemara asks, <speaking in Hebrew> If a woman established for us that there was a war in some part of the world, what is the halacha regarding believing her that her husband died in the war? Do we say, Mal what reason would she have to lie and say he died in a war, when she would have been believed if she had said there was peace in the world? Or do we say di dichazka Amr Bidame? Since a war has been established, she might say that he died based on what seems to her to be the truth without having seen him dead. The more second attempt to bring a proof is from a Bryce of the Tot. If a woman came and said, Nafnu Alenu Nafnu alenu Listim, idolaters fell upon my husband and me, bandits fell upon us, who may Venit ne He died and I was saved, she's believed, and permitted to remarry. Being attacked by idolaters or bandits is like the case of being in a war. And here we see that she's believed, evidently because she was the one who made us aware they were attacked, when she could have simply said her husband died and would have been believed. The war rejects this proof, saying the reason we believe her in the Bryce's case is that she stayed with her husband until he actually died. As Ravidi said, Rav Zena Allah, A woman's weapons are always upon her. The Mahorshan explained that it's presumed that the idolaters or bandits will spare her life to have illicit relations with her. Therefore, she could remain with her husband to see that he died and not need to flee like she would in the case of a war. Pointing to the rest, What's not luck regarding a single witness who testifies to a husband's death during wartime? Is the reason he is generally believed when he testifies to a husband's death is that since it's something that's likely to be exposed, he's presumed not to lie. And therefore, here too, he will not lie. Or is he believed because he goofed daika minaspa? She herself investigates carefully and only then remarries. But here, during wartime, she convinces herself that he died and shall not investigate carefully. The war brings an incident where the wives of tutankhamun were permitted to remarry based on testimony of women who saw them drown. Now, since drowning is akin to dying at war and the testimony of women, even 100 women, are considered like the testimony of one witness, we see that one witness is believed that a husband died at war. The Gemara rejects this answer, saying the situation was where the men drowned in a sea, where the seashore cannot be seen, and in such a case, a wife would not be permitted to remarry. Rather, the woman said, they brought the bodies up in our presence, and we saw them immediately, while they were still identifiable, and they said the simanim, the marks that identified them as the Tanaq Therefore, the rabbis did not rely on their testimony based on the simonim they saw. And point number three, Yitzhak Reish the son of the sister of Ravivi, was going from Kartava to Aspamia, and he died. They sent the following message from there, Yitzhak Reish from Kartava died. The gemor asked, or lo? Do we need to suspect that there are two Yitzhaks or not? Abai said we must be concerned, and Rabbi says we do not need to be concerned. Abai is concerned that while there is no other person by that name living in Kortava, someone from somewhere else might have traveled to Aspamia. Rashi explains that rubber holds that since there was only one person known by that name or Kortava, we can assume that it's the same person in the message. Abay and rubber bring supports for their position. So once again, the three points are number one. The Gemara asks, If a woman established for us that there was a war in some part of the world, what's the halacha regarding believing her that her husband died in the war? Do we say malo l'shakar? What reason would she have to lie and say he died in a war when she would have been believed if she had said there was peace in the world? Or do we say Amr, Amru Since a war has been established, she might say that he died based on what seems to her to be the truth without having seen him dead. The more second attempt to bring a proof is from a Bryce of the Tot. If a woman came and said, Nafnu Nafnu Listim, idolaters fell upon my husband and me, bandits fell upon us, who He died and I was saved, she's believed, and permitted to remarry. Being attacked by idolaters or bandits is like the case of being in a war. And here we see that she's believed, evidently because she was the one who made us aware they were attacked, when she could have simply said her husband died and would have been believed. The war rejects this proof, saying the reason we believe her in the Bryce's case is that she stayed with her husband until he actually died. As Ravidi said, Rav kwezena Allah, A woman's weapons are always upon her. The Mahorshan explained, that it's presumed that the idolaters or bandits will spare her life to have illicit relations with her. Therefore, she can remain with her husband to see that he died and not need to flee like she would in the case of a war. Pointing to the Mahu, what's the luck regarding a single witness who testifies to a husband's death during wartime? Is the reason he is generally believed when he testifies to a husband's death is that since it's something that's likely to be exposed, he's presumed not to lie. And therefore, here too, he will not lie, or is he believed because he gufa daika minaspa? She herself investigates carefully and only then remarries, but here, during wartime, she convinces herself that he died and shall not investigate carefully. The more brings an incident where the wives of two and were permitted to remarry based on testimony of women who saw them drown. Now, since drowning is akin to dying at war, v'nashim afi'u mea and the testimony of women, even 100 women, are considered like the testimony of one witness, we see that one witness is believed that a husband died at war. The Gemara rejects his answer, saying the situation was where the men drowned in a sea, where the seashore cannot be seen, and in such a case, a wife would not be permitted to remarry. Rather, the woman said, they brought the bodies up in our presence, and we saw them immediately, while they were still identifiable, and they said the simanim, the marks that identified them as the Tamal Chachamim. Therefore, the rabbis did not rely on their testimony based on the simanim they saw. And point number three, Yitzhak Reishkolusa, the son of the sister of Ravivi, was going from Kortava to Aspamia, and he died. They sent the following message from there. Yitzhak Reishkolusa from Kortava died. The lo? Do we need to suspect that there are two Yitzhaks or not? Abai said we must be concerned, and Rava says we do not need to be concerned. Abai is concerned that while there's no other person by that name living in Kortava, someone from somewhere else might have traveled to Aspamia. Rush explains that Rubba holds that since there was only one person known by that name or Kortava, we can assume that it's the same person in the message. Abay and rubber bring supports for their position. All right, so now we go to our Simmer Duff Kupf Tezvav, and this was suggested to us by a number of people, by Uri Berger and Shalom Fried from Woodmere, New York, by Yoram Moskowitz from Teaneck, New Jersey, by Naftali Golombik from Brooklyn, and by Menashe Rubin Weiss from Yushalayim. They all suggested Kupf Tezvav is Katoris, and we use Katoris Maker as a simmon a Katoris maker. So here goes. The Katoris maker's wife, who said there was a war going on where her husband had died, was approached by two women for perfume since they smelled like fish from being at sea where they identified two drowned men who had the exact same names as two other men who were traveling. Once again, in slow motion. The Katoris maker's wife, Katoris maker, that was run into Kouftes Vav. The Qataris Maker's wife, who said there was a war going on, where her husband had died, which reminds us, the Qamar asks, If a woman established for us that there was a war in some part of the world, what is the halacha regarding believing her that her husband died in the war? The Qamar attempts to bring a proof from a case where a woman is believed when she says that she and her husband were attacked by idolaters or leased him and her husband was killed. The more rejects this proof, saying the reason we believe her in this case is that she stayed with her husband until he actually died. As Ravidi said, A woman's weapons are always upon her. The Mofarshim explained that it's presumed that the idolaters or bandits will spare her life to have illicit relations with her. Therefore, she could remain with her husband to see that he died and not need to flee like she would in the case of a war. So the Ketur's maker's wife, who said there was a war going on where her husband had died, was approached by two women for perfume, since they smelled like fish from being at sea, where they identified to drown men. Which reminds us, the Gemara asks, what's the luck regarding an Eid Echad, a single witness who testifies to a husband's death during wartime? The Gemara brings an incident where the wives of Tutaham and were permitted to remarry based on the testimony of a woman who saw them drown. Now, since drowning is akin to dying at war, and the testimony of women, even 100 women, is considered like the testimony of one witness, we see that one witness is believed that a husband died at war. The were rejects this answer, saying the situation was where the women said they brought the bodies up in our presence and we saw them immediately while they were still identifiable, and they said the simanim. The Marks had identified them as the Talmud HaKhamim. Therefore, the rabbis did not rely on their testimony, but on the simanim they saw. So the Keturus maker's wife, who said there was a war going on where her husband had died, was approached by two women for perfume since they smelled like fish from being at sea, where they identified two drowned men had the exact same names as two other men who were traveling. Which reminds us, Yitzhak Reish Galusa, the son of the sister of Vivi, was going from Katav to when he died. They sent the following message from there. Yitzhak Reish Galusa from Katavah died. The Gemara asks, Do we need to suspect there are two Yitzhak's or not? Abai said we must be concerned, and Rava says we do not need to be concerned. So once again, the katar's maker's wife, who said there was a war going on, where her husband had died, was approached by two women for perfume, since they smelled like fish from being at sea, where they identified two drowned men, who had the exact same names as two other men who were traveling. All right, now it's time for four Ba'a hazara daf Kuf So the Simr daf Kuf is a kayak. So here goes. The yevon who left his divorce to yavam yavama on the shore, while he took the katana yavama he was waiting to do chalitza with, on a kayaking trip. Kayak? That must be one, daf. Kuf Yud Aleph. The Yavam who left his divorced Khareshis Yavama on the shore while well, he took the Katana Yavama he was waiting to do Khalitsa with on a kayaking trip, which reminds us the Mishan Daf Kuf Yud Aleph, stated that if one was married to a Katana and a Hareshes, then Aimbias Be'ez Achaz Mehem Poter or relations with one of them does not release her tzar. The Gemara asks, what's their Takana? Meaning, how can they be released from their Zikas so they can marry other men? said in the name of Rav, Tamtin The Avum should marry the Chareshes and then divorce with a get, and the Katana should wait until she reaches adulthood and then perform Chalitza. Rashi well, explains that he must divorce the Chareshis because the Chalitza the minor makes him forbidden to the Chareshis. Rav Chisza said, you can infer from this, Rav holds under Rabbinic law, Chareshis Kanuya Umish Katana Kanuya Kanuya. A Keresh's is the one who is partially acquired and partially left unacquired. and the Katana is the one where there's a suffix whether she's acquired or not. So the Yavamu left his divorce Chareshis Yavama on the shore, while he took the Katana Yavama he was waiting to do Chalitza with on a kayaking trip, was joined by a small kayak with the yavam Katan and Yavim Katana, which reminds us the second mission on the deaf states... If a minor yavam had relations with a minor yavama, we wait until they grow up together until they reach adulthood. Rashi explains there's nothing that can be done since get cotton ain't no get. The get of a cotton is not a get. In the meantime, they are permitted to live together. So the yavam who left his divorce chareshis yavama on the shore, while well, I took the yavama katana who was waiting to do chalitza with on a kayaking trip, was joined by a small kayak with the yavam Katan and the yavama katana, and a bigger one with an adult yavama taking her yavam Katan, out for the day, which reminds us. The mission continues Ba If the Minor yavam, who's above nine years old had relations with the adult Yavama, we wait until she raises him until he reaches adulthood. The Gemara questions how the Minor Yovim may have relations with the Yavama, but the Pusik states, <laughs> to establish a name for his brother, and he's not fit for this. A answered the Pusik states, Yavama Yavo Allah, <laughs> her Yavam shall come upon her, which implies Kodu, whatever his age is. Rav explains why the Pusik is not needed to teach this. Daf base so the symbol of Daf Kufyud base is a Rubik's Cube. So here goes. The woman who put stickers on a Rubik's cube, Rubik's Cube, that must mean one Duff Kufyud base. The woman who put stickers on a Rubik's cube of all the men she was prohibiting herself to, but did not think to include a sticker of her Yavam, which reminds us the question was asked If a married woman said, I'm removed from all Jews, meaning she made a netter not to have benefit from relations with any men, what's the Allah regarding the Yavam? Did she consider at the time she made the netter that her husband might die childless and she'll fall to the yavim and yibum? If so, then the yavim is certainly prohibited to her. Or did she not consider the possibility, in which case he would be permitted to her? Rashi explains why she may have not considered the possibility. Rav said, yavim enokabal. The yavim is not like the husband as the netter did not apply to him and if the husband dies childless, he may do yibum with her. Shmuel said, yavim harukabal. The yavim is like the husband and just as a husband. It's forbidden to her, so is he, because the netter includes him. Abai brings the support for Ruv's position. So the woman who put stickers on a Rubik's Cube of all the men she was prohibiting herself to, but did not think to include a sticker of her Yavam, and ended up getting divorced against her will after she became a Kereshes, which reminds us Rabbi Yochim Nuri said to the rabbinim, Why may a woman who became a Hareshes be divorced, but a man who became a Keresh may not divorce? They answered, A man who divorces is not comparable to a woman being divorced. For the woman can be divorced with her consent and without it While well, the man may only divorce with his consent Since a man who is mentally incompetent such as a heresh or a shote, cannot express consent They may not divorce a woman So the woman who put stickers on a Rubik's Cube of all the men she was prohibiting herself to But did not think to include a sticker of her yavam And ended up getting divorced against her will After she became a Got married again unlike the shote she knew who could never get married at all which reminds us, Rami bar said, What's the difference between a cherish v'hareshes that the, the rabban instituted a category of marriage and a shota and a shota that the rabbin did not? The answer answers that in the case of the cherish v'hareshes where the rabbinic institution of marriage can endure, they established an assur. Rashi explains that deaf-mutes can get along with other people and serve them with their spouses. In the case of the shota v'shota, where rabbinic institution of marriage cannot endure, for dar Im nachesh achas, for a man cannot live with a snake inside one basket, they did not institute it. Rashi explains that it's not in the nature of insane people to coexist with others peaceably, and the marriage will ultimately fail. All right, so that completes today's shir. This is Rabbi Avram Goldham wishing you a great day and great learning. Dav Kuf Yud Gimel. So the Dav Kuf Yud Gimel is a geek. So here goes. The computer geek who was enthusiastically writing the Katana versus Haresh's marriage software program to automatically remind husbands that the Haresh's is the one who cannot receive Truma the Rabbanan. Nora Kasuba was constantly being interrupted by his Shota wife. He could not divorce because Rabbanan did not permit him. Once again in slow motion. The computer geek, geek, that must be more in Kuf Gimel. The computer geek who was enthusiastically writing the Katana versus Hareshis marriage software program to automatically remind husbands that the Hareshis is the one who cannot receive Truma the which reminds us. The camera asks, what's the difference between a Katana who eats Rabbanu Truma and a Choreshess who does not eat the Rabbanan Truma. After the first reason was rejected, the Gemara explains that the real reason a Choreshess may not eat Truma is a decree lest a deaf-mute Kohen feed the rice of Truma to his competent wife. Since she's competent and responsible for her actions and only married on a Rabbanan level to the Kohen, she would be Chaib Misa. So the computer geek who was enthusiastically writing the Katana versus Choreshess marriage softer program to automatically remind husbands that the Hareshis is the one who cannot receive Truma the Rabbanon nor a kasuba, which reminds us the Gemara asks what is the difference between the Katana who has the right to a Kisuba and a Hareshis that does not have the right to a kasuba? and answers that if a Hareshis received a Kisuba men would be dissuaded and not marry her in the first place Rashi explains that men will not be dissuaded from marrying a Katana since she will eventually become competent the Gemara said, if this is so regarding the marriage of a competent woman and a cherish, we talk like suba. let the rabbin institute exuba like for her. For if the confident woman do not get one, they would be dissuaded and not marry deaf mute men. The Gemara answers that it's not necessary since, more than a man desires to get married, a woman desires to get married. So, the computer geek who was enthusiastically writing the Katana versus Haresh's marriage software program to automatically remind husbands that the Hareshis is the one who cannot receive Truma the Rabanan, nor a Kasuba, was constantly being interrupted by his Shota wife he could not divorce because the Rabanan did not permit him, which reminds us, the Mishnah stated that if a man married a woman who subsequently became a Shota, insane, he may not divorce her. Yitzchak said, under the of law, a Shota can be divorced just like a pikachas can be divorced against her will. What's the reason the rabban said she cannot be divorced? So that people will not treat her in a hefker way after the divorce. The gemara clarifies that Rabbi Yitzhak's teaching refers to one who can safeguard her get so she can be of divorce, but cannot safeguard herself from being treated in a hefker way. Daf So the simmer daf kufiyadalad is a kitty park. So here goes. The rabbi lost his keys on Shabbos and took his children to the kitty park. Kitty park. That must be more daf dolid. The rabbi lost his keys on Shabbos and took his children to the kiddie park by way of Rishusha Rabim, which reminds us Rav Yitzhak Barbizna once lost his keys to the in a Rosh Rishusha Rabbim on Shabbos. He came before Rabbi Padas who told him, go bring some young boys and girls to that place and let them play there for if they find the keys, they'll bring them back on their own. The Gemara concludes Rabbi Padas holds that if a cotton is found eating Navela meat or any other deraisa isser, basin is not chayev to separate him from that activity. If based in Reichai, then Rabbi Padas would not permit the children who found the keys to carry them Daladamos in Rush Arabim. So the rabbi lost his keys on Shabbos and took his children to the kiddie park by way of Rishus Arabim. Told his son not to extinguish the fire that broke out in the swing set, which reminds us one must tell a Jewish child that he cannot extinguish a fire on Shabbos since Shvisas Alem His resting is the adult's responsibility, and the child would do it das Avi based on the understanding of what his father wishes. Whereas one does not have to tell an idolater to not extinguish a fire since his Shvisas. Not the Jew's responsibility And even if the idolater did it Because he thought That's what the Jews wanted It's still not a problem Because Ovid Kolchadim Had died to the nafshi of it And the idolater always acts According to his own thinking and Rashi explains that Even if the Jew is not aware of the fire The idolater will put it out Knowing that he will receive a reward For doing so So the rabbi lost his keys on Shabbos And took his children to the kiddie park By way of Rizuzar Told his son not to extinguish the fire That broke out on the swing set And assured his daughter That the boy pretended to be shot by an arrow isn't necessarily dead. Which reminds us, in the case of where a man and woman went overseas when there was peace between them but war in the world, the woman is not believed to say that her husband died. And if you were to suggest that since there is peace between them, then she would not testify until she saw him dead, there's still concern that she'll have seen him wounded by an arrow or a spear. And she assumes that he must have died when there are times when he can get medical care and still survive. All right, that concludes today's shir. This is Rabbi Avram Gautam a great day and great learning.